Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is my thoughts, my opinions. My name is Kyle Allen. The reason why I'm starting this podcast is in the title, to share my thoughts and my opinions with the world. My thoughts and my opinions is a podcast where a Christian man shares his take on world events, politics, the Bible, anything else you want me to talk about. So this is going to be a podcast where it's um, open to its listeners. I'll be looking for you guys' questions, thoughts, and your opinions as well, too. So it is going to be an open dialogue. Let's start off with our first topic of the day, the presidential debate. I watched it barely. It was uh, very, very hard to watch. I've been talking about this for a few years, but, but and then they finally have implemented this, is the ability to mute the mics. The reason why this feature is so needed is because we have two small children running for office, Trump being one of them, being the worst out of the two. Over-talkative, it's over-talking him, constant interruptions. It's not watchable by any means. I was having a hard time watching it. Honestly, if I wanted to get that same if I wanted to view that type of content, I would head over to Love and Hip Hop. I would head over to Bad Girls Club. Um, that's what I felt like I was watching. I felt like I was watching reality TV. And I should not be getting that sense from watching a presidential debate. I should be uh, focused. I should be in tune to what both candidates have to say, what, they're, what they plan to do, even though um, we know politicians don't do that. They never have plans. They just have um, ideas. <laughs> um, so at least be able to hear that. I didn't get the opportunity to do that because you had these two people constantly over-talking each other. And, and honestly, if you want to throw, you can honestly say three because the moderator was trying to throw in his piece there, who was absolutely terrible. I think that he did a bad job at rounding up these two. I feel like you would have to have a very a strong moderator who is probably just as outspoken, if not more than a Donald Trump and a Joe Biden to be like, hey, you guys, listen, people at home want to hear what you plan to do. They want to hear your plans, your ideas, your policies. They want to know and they can't hear you if you're constantly over talking to each other. No, honestly, they should have had me up there because I would have gathered both, and I'm like, look, this this is what we're not going to do, bro. Plus, two, I would have made sure that we had the feature of being the mics. I would have been like, look, bro, you're going to kick this off. You get your two minutes. You only talking during your two minutes. If you start talking while he in his two minutes, I'm going to have to mute your mic. But let's be adults here. That's how it would have went if I was running, if I was the moderator. They didn't have me as a moderator. It'd be like that. So... I just got to watch two old white men bicker back and forth. It's like y'all too over that y'all need to be in somebody nursing home. Why? What are we doing? Y'all too old for this? I honestly, I honestly don't know why. That would be a question that I would have for both candidates. It's like, why in your old age would you want to sign up for a job like this? Like, being a president at your age is deadly. It's suicide. The amount of stress that's involved, anxiety, all that stuff that comes with being a president 
is detrimental to an elderly, elderly person's health. So why do you want to do this? Why? Especially to Joe Biden, who out of the two is showing the the biggest decline in cognitive ability is definitely showing. Um, it wasn't as present as it was in his other speeches. I think that his team really gathered him up and made sure he was on point that night because it was on this big stage and you couldn't afford that to happen. And I think that Trump's team was also trying to play off of that as well too because they see the cognitive decline and they're probably thinking like if Trump, like if you just berate him, if you just keep over talking him and doing all these things, he isn't going to be able to keep up. He's going to get lost. He's going to fumble and he's going to get embarrassed. I think that's what people, I think that's what his team was aiming to do. And they were unsuccessful, surprisingly. So that's good if you're Joe Biden. I mean, you live to fight another day. The question is, uh, do you go in for a second time? Do you risk fumbling and getting lost the second time. I mean, because that can very well happen in the second debate. If I was a part of his team, I, I would say, uh, you're hanging up, bro. I just call on all of our chips right now. You did good. You held your own. Let's not chance this, right? Because you could easily come back in and just totally drop it. Because Joe Biden right now, he's favored in the polls. Believe it or not, he's favored in the polls. And looking like he, he may even win. So why mess that up? Too, too big of a risk. Too big of a risk, in my opinion. So who am I voting for? I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to say who I'm voting for. But I would say the person who would vote for Donald Trump is someone who is concerned about their finances because Biden wishes to expand the scope of the government um, and that means like things like raising taxes, among other things. So definitely, if you are caring about your finances, your portfolio, um, your investments, I, I don't think that you would vote for Joe Biden or you should. It wouldn't be in your best interest. If you're voting for Joe Biden, I don't know. My opinion on both of them, they're trash. They suck. Um, both of their policies. Well, mm, Trump's, Trump has better uh, policies when it comes to finances, but Overall, like looking at both of them, they're not the best of the best. In my opinion, they're not the brightest. They're not the sharpest. They aren't best suited for the job. And then too, um, speaking from Joe Biden really doesn't have anything that I stand for. Speaking on a moral standpoint, I am a Christian and that comes with many other things, right? So I don't, I don't stand with Joe Biden because He's hailing from a Democratic Party. What people don't realize is, and this is just like the, the, the negative of having political parties, is there really is no individuality, right? So that candidate is going to take on the, the beliefs and values of that party, right? So if that party is saying tacos are the greatest thing to ever hit planet Earth, and we think that tacos should be placed in every grocery store around America, well, that candidate is going to, once, once they're in their elected office, they're going to fight for tacos. You see what I'm saying? Even though that's a freaking terrible, it's a terrible analogy, terrible example. But, but hey, nonetheless, we, we move. 
but it, it just, it doesn't work for me. Issues on issues of pro-life versus pro-choice, I'm pro-life. All the other issues that, all, the, all of the moral issues that Joe Biden stands for, I am against. And that also goes for the Democratic Party as well, too. I'm against it. Morally, they're not on the upright. Not for me. Um, so that's why I'm already naturally opposed to the Democratic Party, because they don't believe in anything I believe in. They don't fight for anything that I fight for. So it's just like we were never meant to get along anyways from the, from the get go. I mean, if you want to vote for Joe Biden, I mean, I don't see why you would, because look, okay, this, this is what I'm saying, right? If you're voting for Joe Biden because he's not a racist, that's false. He has the, one of the most notable things, and this was mentioned in the debate, that is a knock against Joe Biden is the crime bill that, he's, that he um, created and his comments on black people like super predators and creating a crime bill that would wreak havoc within the black community. That already shows you the grass ain't green on the other side. Just because these people say they're on your say that they're on your side doesn't mean that they are. I feel like the Democratic Party has just been talking and pandering to the black community without doing anything, right? They say, "Oh, well, we're allies, you know. We 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 stand for you. Black Lives Matter." They they say that with their words, but with their actions, they lead totally different, right? I mean, just ask yourself, what has the Democratic Party done for black people? Nothing. I mean, it's honestly hard to comprehend why black people are still loyal to the Democratic Party when the core values of the black community are so, 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 so opposite to what the Democratic Party's, what their viewpoint is. It's totally different, right? Most African Americans have belief in God. No, the Democratic Party doesn't have belief in God. It passes policies that are against God. The Democratic Party is pro-LGBT. Well, black community, left media accuses black community of being homophobic. And that's just one of the few examples of how these two are on completely different sides. Yet, the black community still says Democratic. Black people are so loyal to the Democratic Party that anybody who says otherwise is labeled as a coon, Uncle Tom, a bootlicker, and a, a coon. All simply for the fact of pointing out obvious things wrong with the Democratic Party. Saying that you may vote for a, dem a different candidate. Vote for a, can a candidate from the Republican Party. Say that you support the Republican Party. You don't necessarily have that choice in the black community because you're going to be ostracized. You're going to be outcast. It's almost as if coming out as a Republican almost receives the same negative pushback as coming out as gay in the black community. Almost virtually the same. It's like, oh my goodness, like, you're a Republican? <laughs> like, it's absolutely insane. And I feel like black people really need to get out of that headspace and start focusing on, I hear what you're saying, I hear your ideas, not even plans. Politicians don't plan for anything. And even if they do have a plan, that plan never gets put into action. So I want to see what you can do. I want to see what you can do. We need to adapt. When it comes to politics, you need to adapt. 
adopt the what have you done for me lately mindset. Democratic Party hasn't done anything lately. Hasn't done anything with the past week, year, decade, nothing to benefit, to uplift, or to benefit the black community whatsoever. And we need to be more selective with who we give our votes to. And we need to be more critical of these candidates. You should not be voting for somebody simply for the simply for their ethnicity. That's the dumbest thing. Many of us who are keeping it real, we see where that is led. We see where voting with color and not by policy leads us to. You get Barack Obama. That's what you get. You get Barack Obama, who, once again, if you're keeping it real, having the what have you done for me lately mindset has done nothing for the black community. Nothing to advance to the black community. With the exception, with the exception, I will give Obama this. He has done the same thing that Bill Cosby has done, and that is be a positive image for black youth, which lets them know that there are no limitations set upon you. Any and everything that you want to be in this life, you can do through Christ. You can do anything. That was a positive affirmation, a positive image that black youth needed to see and was not present. So I will say that as an image, as a public figure, he definitely has been positive in the black community to that effect. But as far as implementing policies and actually doing things that would help the black community, uh, it's not there. It's not there at all. So we really, as a black community, need to stop inviting people to the cookout um, it's honestly ridiculous how easy it is to pander to the black community. You just get, you just get one person to sing a, a rap song. Everybody like, oh, he, he, he cool, he like, come on, really? All, all, all because Joe Biden does the shoe, he's invited to the cookout, he's, he's part of, what? All because he knows a Cardi B song, a Cardi B lyric, he's invited to the cookout? Are we really that easy? pathetic. Secondly, I'm not sorry when I say that we need to stop letting athletes speak for our community, right? Actors speak for our community. Celebrities. How about that? We need to stop letting celebrities speak for our community. Although, be it, these people have a voice, they have a platform. It's not their arena. Quite literally, LeBron's arena is not politics. So I should not be seeing LeBron James interviewing Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. I should not be seeing Cardi B interview Joe Biden. It's not their arena. It's not what they're suited for. They are not capable of holding that conversation, asking real questions that we need to know. I mean, if you if you watch that interview that she had, it was she was oh like literally an absolute mockery of the black community. You take offense to that, I mean, that's no problem. But I'm just keeping it real. Do you see that in the white community? Do you think that would fly in the white community? Do you think that they're letting Justin Timberlake speak for the white community? He's going to go up there and interview Donald Trump. Justin Bieber is going to get up there and interview Donald Trump. No, they're not. Because they're celebrities. White people see them as celebrities. But it's sad that we have been reduced to just celebrities. We don't have any uh, political minds, any 
scholarly minds that can sit up here and have these debates with these candidates and pull out the information that we need to know to make a sound and and reasonable vote. We don't have that information because we have celebrities with with the political knowledge of a two-year-old asking questions. So the only thing that we're going to get out of them is that I listen to Young Jeezy. And what can we do with that? Absolutely nothing. So that, that I mean, that, that, that's how I see it. That's how I see it. Moving on. I talked about ethnicity multiple times. And it comes up again in this next issue. Kamala Harris. I'm bringing up her simply for the fact that people do not understand ethnicity and culture. So for the people who don't understand ethnicity and culture, I'm going to define it for you. Okay. Culture. Hold on. Culture is the characteristics and knowledge of a particular group of people encompassing language, religion, cuisine, social habits, music, and arts. That's what culture is. Ethnicity the fact or state of belonging to a social group that has a common national or cultural tradition. So, as the two pertain to Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris is ethnically black. She's black. She has a Jamaican father, an Indian mother. What makes her black is the Jamaican part of her. So, she is black, right? So, when people say she's black in in that regard, uh, yeah, she is black. But... From a cultural standpoint, she's Indian. Now, you, you may not understand this, but culture, when it's dealing with how an individual views themselves, is more important than their ethnicity. Whatever culture you identify with, that's how you see yourself. That's how you carry yourself. I mean, that's why you have O.J. Simpson saying, I'm not black, I'm O.J., because he doesn't identify with the black culture. In the same way that Kamala Harris does not and cannot identify with black culture because she grew up on Indian culture, in which why she herself said in a cooking style interview with Mindy Kaling, who is best known as Kelly Kapoor off The Office. Uh, it was a YouTube video in which these two were cooking um, some Indian dish and they were dis- discussing their childhood and background. And Kamala Harris came out herself and said, She's an Indian woman. And they spoke about things that are nowhere near the black community. She talked about growing up eating rice, dal, not dog, D-A-L, dal. I don't even know what that is. And and yogurt. For my African-American listeners, have you ever eaten that? Are are those the dishes your mother, your grandmother, great-grandmother, those are dishes they're whipping up on a daily for Thanksgiving? Special holidays? No. Culturally, she is an Indian woman. And whatever culture you identify as, that's how you're going to act. That's how you're going to carry yourself. So because she identifies as an Indian woman, she acts a certain way. And which would explain why the things that happened in California happened in California. She she never was with the black community, culture. Which is why she had no problem locking up black people, innocent black men, doesn't care. Only reason why she cares now and she, she would like to use her ethnicity is because she's running for political office. It's all politics. It's all politics. But anybody 
who has a brain and two eyes knows that it's not working. You can tell that it's fake because, one, you have a white husband. Like, I think politicians, Democratic Party doesn't even care. Democratic Party can't even pander correctly to black people anymore. I mean, I mean, we use, the Democratic Party used to be able to get it right. But now it's just completely off base. And it, it really makes me sad because th- this is how you know, this is all they had. <laughs> this is, they're just throwing any and everything at this thing. Because you're going to give me an Indian woman trying to convince me that she's a black woman when in fact she's married to a white man. And if you know black voters, black people can be racist and are racist. And they see that she has a white husband, uh, that doesn't look too good. And people are going to be less likely to vote for her for that very same reason. But, hey, let's, let's eat some pork chop sandwiches and play some Beyonce and Cardi B. We'll, we'll, we'll get them with that one. They'll, they'll like that, right? Once again, come on, guys. We, 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 have, to, we have to step it up. We can't, we can't keep going on like this. It's honestly, it's unacceptable. It's disgraceful, disappointing that this is able to go on when you can clearly see what's going on. You can see the fake. The only reason why she cares about her ethnicity now is because it's going to benefit her in the long run. Keep in mind in that. She's, she is not a black woman. She is an Indian woman. She, and that comes with all of its beliefs, values, food, all that. Culturally, she is an Indian woman. She do not expect her to be, ident- to be able to identify with the black struggle. Don't expect her to be able to make policies on behalf of black people because she doesn't understand that because she's culturally not black, so she doesn't understand black people at all. To go into my next point, I want to speak about the, the media. The media is so bad. It's, it's practically impossible as of right now to find a non-biased political source. Almost every single publication has a political leaning. Nearly every publication has a, um, has, has a political interest. You can never just get just straight facts. It's either they're smearing Trump or they're smearing Joe Biden. It, I mean, that's either one of the two. Like you can't get an unbiased viewpoint. You can't just look at the facts. Facts are virtually gone. Truth is gone. Truth is gone. It's like a no holds bar. Whatever gets me in the office. Who cares who's telling the truth? Let's just throw any old thing out there. And that's why you have this absolute train wreck on Capitol Hill. In media, just in general, because their heads are stuck so far up the butts of those who sit on Capitol Hill that I'm not able to discern what's what's real and what's fake. If I turn on CNN, they're reporting about protests. Oh, these protests are all peaceful. You know, they're, they're, they're lying. These are, these are mainly peaceful protests. But in the background, they're fires. There are people running behind them. Glass on the ground, right? Then, turn on Fox. Oh my goodness, Antifa. Socialism is on the rise. They're, they're, they're trying to destroy this country. I think that the world is on fire when I look at Fox News. So now, as, a, as an American, as a consumer of mass media, I'm lost. 
I am completely and totally lost because I don't know what I'm seeing. I don't know if there are more rioters than there are peaceful protesters. I don't know that. I can't say that. I, I, I mean, at, at this point, if, if you want your news, you're just going to have to go directly outside yourself and see for yourself. You can't trust the media because they have an agenda. They're, they're not going to present they're not going to present certain things as they are because they have a political interest. So they're going to try to twist and manipulate that so it can fit their agenda. And that's why you can't trust the media, which for the most part, I don't pay attention to the media. I don't get into it. And I'm very uh, cognizant of who I'm watching and who I'm listening to and have to acknowledge that, that these people are not people of fact. These are people of opinion. Uh, I will say that Fox does a good job of this. They label people like Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson as opinion hosts, whereas CNN labels them as news anchors. Food for thought right there. And, and lastly, I wanted to talk about the, the move from big cities. Um, if you haven't already, you are probably seriously thinking of moving if you are in L.A., Chicago, New York, any of these big cities, these big northern, eastern cities. You're, you're thinking about getting out, right? Um, in an article published by IllinoisPolicy.org, it says Illinois lost more than 850,000 residents of other states during the past decade, causing the state's population to shrink for six consecutive years and suffer the largest raw decline of any state in the 2010s. In New York, you have 15,000 vacant apartments. Why is that? Well, nobody wants to live in a state in which they are being overtaxed and overregulated. And these northern, eastern states have plentiful of taxes and regulations. So that's why people are leaving. Initially, these people were locked in because the opportunity was there, right? In New York, where a rent for a, a, a studio, not even a, a two-bedroom, three-bedroom, a studio. If you don't know what a studio is, a studio is basically just an open space. Everything, there is no separation. There, You don't have a bedroom. It's bedrooms here, kitchens right there. Everything is like, it's like you're living in a box of what a studio is. Rent for that in New York is like over $1,000, probably peaking $2,000, $3,000. Right. But people put up with that because jobs were there. Friends were there. Connections, networking. If you wanted to be in the entertainment business, if you wanted opportunity, it was there. So that's why people put up with the unreasonable taxing and the, the litany of regulations. That's why they put up with it. But now that that's gone, people have no reason to stay. We now are blessed to be in a time period where we have the bandwidth, we have the capability of having millions of people on a network at a time. We can hold that now. So with that reasoning, it makes no sense for you to stay there because opportunities are no longer centralized. They're everywhere. Job interviews are being done on Zoom. You're working from home. So there's no need to live in the city. And that's why People are moving from the big cities to the South. Why are they moving to the South? Less regulations. People want to be able to 
live and provide for their families and moving to southern states are going to give them that opportunity because the cost of living is low and quite frankly now these states potentially due to the black lives matter protests the police presence has significantly decreased police are so this reported that some police are ignoring calls police response time has gone up most likely due to the to the fear of them being on the news, them doing something wrong, them shooting somebody. So they're more, uh, they're going to take the laissez-faire approach. They're going to stand back. They're going to stand off. And this is why you're seeing crime rampant in these big cities now, because the government doesn't want to put their foot down. So this is the perfect opportunity for criminals. And I, I definitely do not think that it's safe for anyone to be living in a New York and in Chicago and in L.A. because already, right, you don't have the, the luxury of protecting yourself, right? Your Second Amendment is practically non-existent in these states, especially in New York. It, you're, you're, not getting a per, you're not getting a permit, let alone a concealed carry, unless you're like some mogul billionaire and you have clout like that. Me personally, I have applied for my FOIA card back in August. Still have not received any word. There's people who applied back in March, six months ago, still waiting to exercise their right. Last time that I checked that there, there's, there's no wait time. There's no queue to exercise your right. A right is a right. It's given to you. You just do it. But you're not allowed to just do it in these states. So back to my point, if you're not, if you're living in these states, you can't defend yourself and you don't have the police, the door is wide open for crime, for people to home invade, to violate you and your family, to kill, rape, steal, kill, do whatever, because the police aren't gonna do anything, and nor are you capable of doing anything, because your state doesn't think you should or can. They don't think that. So that's why people are moving out of these states, and, and now you're literally seeing like, the reports of people saying like, hey, New York is looking like it's going to head back to the 70s and the 80s. You look at California, you look at L.A., homeless people like literally lining up sidewalks with encampments. There's an encampment every block, syringes on the ground. It's almost a third world country, looks like, in these big cities now. And that's why people are moving, because they don't want to put subject their family to that. Any logical person um, who is capable and able to move from big cities will. Now to my southern folk, uh, you're not really going to like that. <laughs> because um, that means your formerly cheap place to live isn't going to be so cheap anymore. Prices are definitely going to go up in these southern states. And that's not going to be a good look on um, politics. Politics... Um, are definitely going to change. Definitely in Texas, which is a hot spot for um, many people coming from Chicago, California, you know, and New York, I definitely see that within the near future being a swing state now, uh, which is not going to be good for the state of Texas, considering why you're moving there. And if, you, if your political leaning is democratic, you're going to kill the, the reason of you moving to that state, which, is low, which, was, a, which was a low cost of living, low taxes, no regulations. You're going to absolutely kill that by voting democratically because the Democratic Party 
They love taxes. They love big government. That's that's not. Uh, those are our, our policies that are not gonna yield a, a state that is that has a low cost of living. It's not. So that's definitely gonna be a conflict there, and um, interesting to see how things unfold down south with uh, northerners and Californians moving down there. Gonna be interesting for sure. Well. Talk you guys here off for quite some time, so I think I'll be signing out for today. Once again, my name is Kyle Allen, and this is My Thoughts, My Opinions.